Welcome to the Well-Designed Podcast. I'm your host, Brady Healy, and together with my friend and co-host, Kyle Wood, we'll share how we're integrating human design into our own lives. We're both entrepreneurs in the wellness space, navigating running our own businesses while being present in our personal lives, all without burning out in the process. In this episode, we'll include plenty of practical tools to get you unstuck and feel more in flow. Let's get started. Welcome, listeners, back to Well Designed. Uh, my name is Kyle Wood. I'm your host. With me is my co-host, Andy. And today we Hi have there. a special guest, Jamie Clark. So Jamie is a, has a background in improv, which is kind of how we, we first met her, which would be over a year ago now. Uh, but we also know Jamie because we studied human design together. And so the three of us have been going on this journey into like human design and how do we bring this into kind of what we already do. Uh, so Jamie's company is called Intentional Improv and she works um, with people as, and I'm going to just quote her back here <laughs> around uh, inner child work. Um, and specifically towards overcoming their fear of public speaking, which is, is that, the, is that that cliche thing is like the number one fear or the number two fear, Jamie? Is that right? Yeah. 80% of people have some level of fear of public speaking. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, I understand that. And, and I, I'm excited to ask you questions about that today. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I'm in that 80%. Um, yeah. She, so yeah, she looks at, she works with clients to look at their limitations around this stuff and the somatics, which I thought was really interesting. And I'm curious to learn more about that. And then with her human design background, she's able to weave that into that as well by understanding people's charts and types. Um, so yeah, this is, this is going to be fun and we can't wait to pick your brain. And you're also a manifester, which you're our first manifester guest. So we also would love to pick your brain about how that shows up for you in your life. And yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. And yeah, please, any questions that you have about the manifestor experience, the work that I do in the world, would love to talk. Yeah. I can't believe it's been a year. Yeah. It has been. Yeah. Um, Longer. It's been like 18 months. Has it been two? Wow. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty weird. I love that. The first question I have for you, and it, it... Makes sense because we're about to ask you questions. Is there's this there's this thing around manifestors, where as a type in general, broad strokes that they don't like being asked questions, um, and I just have always <laughs> been false. really curious about because <laughs> as a projector, I I really like being asked questions because I you know really want my opinion and stuff like that. So how, how does that show up for for you? Because obviously you can't go through life. <laughs> hating people asking questions or maybe you can i don't you know could. you could but uh but you knowing could. you you're i've asked you questions before jamie you're always very open to it and give very insightful answers so how does that actually that sure. part of being a manifest actually show up for you yeah totally and it really just depends on the question and also the time and place okay. right so something and i I'm a big proponent of asking manifestors questions in certain ways when they're ready to be asked something, right? And so what happens is a question, so say you ask a question of somebody that is a generator or a manifesting generator or a projector, we'll start with manifestor, manifesting generators and generators, they often get a sacral response. Mm. Their body lights up. They're like, uh-huh, I like that. Or, oh, no, I don't like that. But from an undefined sacral perspective, manifestors don't get that. And projectors don't either, but you're, that, that's a whole other thing that y'all can speak to. But for me, when somebody asks me a question that I don't want to answer, there's almost this immediate block. Like if somebody asks me a yes or no question or asks me what I want to be doing, I, I could give you a thousand answers, right? And so it's been really helpful in this shift for me is if somebody says, hey, I'm curious about la, 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 la. I'm curious about what you're doing. I'm curious about intentional improv. Mm. I traveled in an, a camper van for years. And if they say, I'm curious mm. about your van travels, then that puts the ball in my court if I want to respond or not. Where if somebody's like, do you like traveling in a van? Or 
do you want, do you know what I mean? Like, are, are you going to Denver next month or do you want to do this or tell me about this? There's almost this hesitancy to, to answer because it doesn't feel like it's on my terms. No, that's really helpful. And so yeah. I love this. And what I want to say, because we are on a podcast and people ask me questions all the time on podcasts and all these places, I, I'm willingly here. I want to answer questions. Mm-hmm. And so I, I typically, if somebody asks me something that I don't want to respond to, I just change the subject <laughs> <laughs> or I just don't answer. Right. Like I just don't, I'm like, right. I don't have an answer. I'll just say like, I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. Okay. And then I'll mm-hmm. share what I want to share anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. That's helpful. So, yeah, it's the way, yeah, the way people ask you the questions and the topic. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, It's like, I don't like small talk. Don't ask me how I'm doing today. I think we've ranted about this. (laughs) This is the worst question you can ask me. (laughs) Unless you actually want to know. Yeah, it's like, how much time do you have? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, in asking, answering that, honestly, if somebody asks you how they are, if they genuinely want to know, I want to know, but I don't yeah. ask many people that question. Yeah. So. Yes. Same. I, I will. Yeah. Because for the same reason, it's like, well, I, I genuinely, yeah. I'm not just saying that as a, uh, what would you call it? Some sort of. A filler. Filler. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, like a nicety. That, that's how we should talk to yeah people. i was up in new england recently uh running or co-leading a retreat where i was doing improv and reading human design and it was fascinating it was a bunch of ex-military men and women okay. and so right so not necessarily a group that you would imagine would be into improv and human design but it was incredible and i've done a lot of work with um, people that have been in the military but he reframed this. We were talking about small talk. And he said, the reason why we have small talk is that people aren't necessarily designed to see so many people in one day. Mm. Right. And so if you think about how tribes used to be or smaller communities, you knew every single person in the tribe. You knew everybody surrounding you. And so you're able to have deeper conversations more quickly. But in today's society, we don't know everyone at the grocery store. We don't know everybody in restaurants. And so we have these very high level, quick, like, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? To just indicate Mm -hmm. to people that I'm safe. I'm not a threat. Hmm. I hope that you're well without getting into the nitty gritty. Uh, yes, that makes sense. His design was amazing. <laughs> it was so cool to look at his design. I was like, that is such an interesting thing. It's such a tribal thing that happens of, oh, we're not really meant, we're not designed to be working with thousands of people every day. Yeah. So we use how are you as just this very surface level question to move through life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Jamie, how did you, oh, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I was just going to make a comment or like when, you know, I go to the city, it's not even that. Like people just don't even acknowledge each other because I guess, yeah, you would just get fatigued and I always find, and it's how yeah. when I live here, I always know when someone's from the city or not, because if they're local, they'll nod, smile, say g'day. But yeah, if they're not local, it's like, it's not even on their radar that I should, that they should interact with that other human being that's passing them. Which I always judge them for, but I will judge them less now. <laughs> you're just fatigued. <laughs> you're just yeah, you're just tired. You're not designed for this. It's not your fault. <laughs> you, yes, it's not. Yes, you have compassion. Yeah. Have compassion. They're just overstimulated, yeah. and that's why they're coming to <laughs> yeah. your small town. Exactly, yeah. It's to unplug. Yeah. So at the end yes. of the week, and I'll be maybe... saying hello to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Just in time to go get dysregulated back in the city. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, I'm really curious. How did you get started in improv? Yeah, totally. So I have to say, first of all, when people hear improv or improv comedy, people either love it or they run for the hills and they're terrified, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so if you had talked to middle school Jamie or high school Jamie or even early 20s Jamie, I would have said, absolutely not. I'm never going to improvise. You think I'm going to get on a stage and try and make people (laughs) laugh for an hour and a half? I can't speak Mm -hmm. in in class. Like in college classes, Mm -hmm. I would clam up. I would be the shy kid. I wouldn't speak. Mm -hmm. And so... 
I moved out to Reno, Nevada in my early 20s with an amazing company. I was help building out a sales floor. And it was fun, but all of my coworkers, it was great to interact with them. And we had, I formed amazing relationships, but as you work with somebody, you naturally always talk about work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm looking for something else. I want community. I want a hobby outside of it. Like imagine, you know, early twenties, you're looking for something outside of what we do all day long in our careers. And so at the time, I was super into the show called Broad City. Did either of you watch it? No. no? Okay, that's okay. What about yeah. what about Parks and Rec? Yeah. Parks and Recreation. Yeah, yeah, don't ask. Okay. Brandy doesn't watch. Don't cool. ask Brandy if you've seen. Okay. Parks. I've watched a lot. Of don't Parks. ask me anything. I don't watch. Yeah, I, I hardly we, we watch any television. And I'm the worst. All good. All good. So it's this. It's very similar. It's just this. Like I don't know how would you describe it, Kyle. It's like a, a show about a an office with like right. different and she and like the, the main characters yeah. and politics and yeah. the government and like mm-hmm. it's very funny all these things i was super into it and um many of the people on that show were improvisers mm. and then on broad mm. city i learned that it's like sketch comedy and very funny and very like very 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 smart humor and i just remember thinking like wow this is so cool and then started looking into it and it was improv hmm. and I was like, shit, this is terrifying <laughs> to me. This is so scary. I don't want to do this. This is like, it's like, I can feel my heart starting to beat and like my chest getting tight right now. Just thinking about this 21 year old version of myself that was so shy, but this thing that I was like being called towards was making people laugh and having authentic connections with people and not knowing what you were going to say. And so mm-hmm. I looked up a class. I had a couple beers before I looked up a class. <laughs> I don't drink anymore, but I just was like, okay, maybe I'll take this. Maybe I'll take it and signed up and then went to a level one. Didn't tell anybody I was doing it. It was mm-hmm. in the basement of another theater and art space. It was just a really small, like their webs, like we didn't, I didn't know anything about it. Um, and it just spiraled from there. Like, I had so much fun my first class. I was like, oh, this is just playing make-believe with my friends hmm. and just playing games and, like, learning how to be creative again. And it was terrifying. I mean, I had a beer before mm-hmm. every single class. <laughs> like, every single <laughs> class. Like, I did not. And, like, again, I don't drink anymore, really. But, like, I, it was this, like, fear. And I'm sure you two can relate to this where you're like, ooh, this is so fun. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. But I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and right. so it just it's I mean it just spiraled from there. It took off yeah. intensely. I one level one level one class turned into another one, and then uh, we got out of the basement theater, and all of us ended up like we gutted this old T-shirt shop mm-hmm. <laughs> like in the middle of the city and turned it into an improv theater, and started so doing fun. classes and shows and all this stuff. And then that it just I mean the rest is history wow it just completely spiraled from there so then my kyle unless you have another question i have a part two of this question go go for it so then my second part of this question then is okay so we've discovered improv Mm -hmm. how did you find out about human design and then there's a part three and i'm sure (laughs) but we'll we'll just go with it we'll just go with it yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So how did I discover human design? Oh, I was at a retreat in Austin, Texas. I had been, I had started to do inner child work, which is the second half of my company, intentional improv. That's the intentional side of it, right? Where you're digging into beliefs that aren't serving you, uh, really reparenting yourself and essentially living the life that the seven-year-old version would love, right? So I was in Mm -hmm. Austin, I was at this retreat, and I met this woman who was a doula. So Mm -hmm. she's like a birth practitioner, and she does human design as well. And I heard it and thought, huh, like, what's that? And she said, it's cool, like, look it up. She didn't tell me much about it. She's a projector, which is funny. Um, And so later on, I'm at the airport, and I'm like, hungover (laughs) I was still drinking at that point and like we had like me and my partner at the time I swear I don't drink now but it keeps coming up (laughs) 
Um, but anyway, I was just like, it was like a weekend of partying. It was so much fun. Um, I had known all these people from inner child work and like, I pulled up my chart on my phone and I was like, manifester. Okay, whatever. And I looked up an article and the first thing that I read about myself said that I had a closed and repelling aura, <laughs> that I was angry all the time, and I was destined to lead a lonely life and that people hated me. So you immediately loved it. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, this is me. I'm so excited. Yeah. So you felt so deeply seen as so many things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, check, 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 check. So obviously like slammed my phone shut and was like, screw this. This is so dumb. I don't like it. Whatever. Yeah. And forgot about it. And then Mm -hmm. six months later, really, I was going through a tough time at that time. I was really out of alignment, right? I was partying and all these things and then just learned about human design and inner child work and was starting that journey of like corporate's great and corporate's fine and I'm doing well for myself, but this isn't actually what I want to be doing. And so I was, I was deeply out of alignment when I found it. And it, so it makes sense that I was angry. Yeah. Mm. Right. And then six months later had, you know, started to let go of things that weren't serving me was in a healthier spot. Um, It came up again at another retreat and the woman that shared with me about it was like, Oh, it's so fun. A manifestor is being amazing. Let me tell you all these things. Look Mm. it up for yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that softer approach, and I I imagine you all can resonate with this, with Aaron being our teacher, was what I needed. I couldn't hang Mm -hmm. with somebody being like, you're angry all the time, even though I was. (laughs) Even though I have a closed and repelling aura. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like the anti-manifester approach is like, let me tell you what to do. (laughs) As the parent of a manifester, it's like, I'm like, that doesn't fly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, no, no, (laughs) and this is not going to work. Don't tell me what to do. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that with um, projectors as well, like people who are projectors getting told like, oh, you're just tired all the time. And it's like, that's, that's. (laughs) Not really, like, helpful. Not helpful. <laughs> Doesn't get you yeah. excited about it. You're like, I Especially know. Especially if you're out of alignment. You're like, I know. Yeah. You're like, well, everyone's tired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, duh. Yeah, and it's sometimes the language or the initial shock can be so intense. But then later when you really understand what the words mean, mm. you realize, oh, okay, I, I use my energy in a different way than other people. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. It's to kind of look at your chart and see that you have a six in your profile. And I'm just really curious to understand, like, when did this kind of shift to place? And did it kind of take place around that time where you're moving out of that first phase of the six line, you know, and you're still kind of in it into that second phase of the six line? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So I, I would say all of this started around 28, 29 where I was really, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had loved improv and I was building that community and having so much fun with it and really cr- creatively expressing myself in my late 20s and still at this corporate job. And I was just like, this is not it. This is not mm-hmm. right. And when I turned 30, I really, I mean, I burned it down. I really did. I was like, this is not for me. I left uh, a relationship that was very serious. I started traveling in a camper van. Uh, I was working my corporate job while I was traveling in a camper van. I started going deep into human design and then also into inner child work. And now I teach and coach that and really just spending so much time in nature. I went from, you know, living in a townhouse in a city and working all the time and being at the theater all the time to living in a van in national parks for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And all of that happened when I turned 30. Mm-hmm. And so as you know, you know, that's that phase of going up onto the roof and really starting to shed things that are not serving you anymore, that are not working. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's like, I, you know, I have a three in my profile, so I can definitely relate to kind of that first part of your experience around 
you know, kind of trying things, right? And doing like, this is what I should be doing is working in a, you know, more structured environment and ticking the boxes and realizing like, this doesn't really work for me. And I don't know how you felt once you kind of got to that place, but was it, did it feel like this is a no brainer for me to start to shed some of this stuff? Or did it feel challenging? Like I'm a failure and I'm just like, <laughs> cause I have certainly had those times in my life where I look back on really experimental phases and been, and in a shadow piece of myself being like, you are such a failure or flaky. Cause you like try these things and like mm. chuck down. Instead of being like, okay, cool. Like I tried these things and now I know what I don't want. Interesting that you felt that way. And it makes sense, especially with that third line, you know, you, you have this resilience to you and also that fear of failure, that thinking that you're a failure is so reminiscent of the three. So I would say for me, it's hard to answer, but when I was, I would say that I had this great life. I really built, I had great community and great friendships and great relationships and had a lot of fun and was successful in my corporate career. And I mean, building the theater from the ground up and being a part of that is an experience that I absolutely love. I think where I got tripped up is that I was, I was just not, I wanted something more or something different. Mm. And so to me, I was looking around and I was thinking, well, all my friends are getting married and having babies and I want that one day and they're in these careers and I want that one day. But this just does not feel like there's something more. There's something mm -hmm. different here. And so I, you know, it was definitely tumultuous, <laughs> like burning it all down. But it was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. I mean, I wouldn't trade that for the world and getting to explore mm -hmm. such a beautiful country. And I'm in the U.S. And so such a beautiful landscape that people don't typically talk about when you think about America. Yeah. But I got to stay right. on wineries and farms and learn this different way of being that was so different to how I grew up and what I had been used to. Mm -hmm. And so I think to really I and now I can't imagine doing what I was doing for so long. Cause it just doesn't, yeah. I just, it doesn't work for me. That's a, that's a mm -hmm. tip. That's a, not, t I shouldn't say you're not typical. That's a common yeah. six line thing, isn't it? Like thinking back on your twenties and being like, yeah, I would, there's no way I would do that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for all those experiences yeah. you have. So yeah, definitely. And it, uh, I, so I, I was curious about that anger piece so now when you notice anger coming up what is what does that mean for you because sure. sorry from yeah. a i'll share for people for manifestors there what we call their not self is is anger so it can be a bit of a signpost so that's why i'm asking you that question <laughs> for those mm -hmm. <laughs> you're like she's clearly an angry person no just kidding <laughs> Um, yeah. So I would say for me, anger has been one of my biggest teachers. So, and historically I was very afraid of anger, right? It's not safe to be angry. It's not okay to be angry. Mm. It's, you know, don't be angry. It's not feminine to be say, angry. It's not woman, feminine yeah. to be angry, right? And so don't express anger, really be calm. And so for me, and this goes into inner child reparenting, and it's, you know, my I have a great relationship with my parents and we just in general, anger wasn't something that I was like necessarily exposed to a lot as a kid. And I'm so grateful for that. But what I learned was it's not okay to be angry, mm -hmm. right? And so, and not just not necessarily for my parents, but just society in general, right? And so, I had a lot of unlearning that I needed to do around anger. And Raw talks about this from a human design perspective, where manifestors are either incredibly angry or they're incredibly repressed. And so for mm. me, I was definitely in that repressed category of it's not healthy to have anger. It's not safe to be angry. You're a woman. Don't be shy. Brr, all the shit. Hope we can curse on here because it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Brandy does it all. Um, <laughs> right. And <laughs> you guys don't drink. Brandy. It must be because you don't drink. So that's your vice is like, sorry, no, I swear. 
(laughs) Truly, truly. I'm like, let me live. Let me live. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. And so I just did. And so what I really had to learn was that my anger is safe and my anger is something that is showing me that something is out of alignment. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it goes back to performing and it, it you, you know, think about the best movies you've ever seen or the most passionate performers or actors or comedians. They're passionate. They're angry sometimes. And there's that's such an integral part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. And so for me, after doing work around this and really feeling into like, how can I feel, how can I have anger in my body and how can I, how can I express it? So it doesn't keep me stuck. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say now, you know, for so long I was afraid to express anger, but at this point in my life, like I love anger. I don't, there's so many, I want to say that there's so many unhealthy expressions of anger out there that are very, that are, that we've got a whole lot of work to do about that in the world. But for me personally, when I am angry, it's a sign that is something off either with me or with my community, or there's been something that is unjust that has happened. Hmm. Yeah. And I find it so useful to understand that as a parent of a manifester instead of when I notice anger coming from my 10 year old instead of just trying to fix it it's like really trying to understand like where are we out of alignment here and how can I help you use that emotion as that signpost to say like where can what's going on here that we can course correct where I feel like in the past and and of course like it's super still super easy to be like don't be mad. Let's yeah. like repress, right? Yeah. It's like, now it's not. Now it's not a convenient time for your anger in the middle of the grocery store. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. However, how? And let me tell you, she was a spicy toddler. But as we're getting older, you know, now we're preteen and we're heading into some, you know, some interesting and unique years. It is such a useful piece to have, like to have in that, to have that awareness and to say like, okay, like that anger is showing up because something is off for her. And instead of making her wrong for feeling that, like, how do I give her safety to express that and ways that are not like destructive to like everyone else in her path? Because that has certainly come up. It's like when she's pissed, it's like, raucous to everybody else in the house and so now it's about like cool you're allowed to feel your feelings however we need to help you like harness how you're expressing that so that it's not just like you know shrapnel to everyone else in your wake (laughs) right exactly because she's a human in the world and sometimes anger needs a certain outlet and a certain place to be expressed and the show must continue right that's so funny I love that you're really instilling that in her so early and also like noticing helping her have that language Because I did not understand that. And my mom is so emotionally intelligent. And I thank God for her every day. And she was so, she could hold it and she could, you know, help me. And I was a really spicy, really, really spicy, (laughs) spicy, spicy little baby, apparently, allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) I can word off the street. (laughs) Yeah. So what are some ways now that you have come, what are some like coping mechanisms that you've come to develop for yourself? It's like when you see that anger show up, like how does that show up for you maybe now? And like, what are some, you know, course correction tools that you have for yourself for, you know, other spicy manifestors out there that are like, I just want to yell at people. (laughs) Cause that's the place that my daughter goes to is like, let's turn up the volume to 10. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And you know, it's so funny because the, the tool that I use and the tool that I share and the tool that I teach is the same for all energy types. Right. Mm. Because you think about, the projector experiencing bitterness, manifesting generators and generators experiencing frustration, reflectors feeling disappointment. And it all comes back to what you feel in your body. 
-hmm. right? And so think about, and I'm curious about your experiences as projectors and the feeling of bitterness. When I'm angry, my body has a very specific reaction. It feels big and red and it's hot. It's, it's intense. It's this big energy. And so for me, the somatic healing side of it and really, so somatic is of the body, right? Dropping into your body. It's actually feeling the anger on a somatic level. And what I mean by that is taking deep breaths and noticing and describing what's happening in your body rather than using words and verbally like tearing something or somebody down right because that that's that's harmful Mm. we're not I'm not here Mm. to harm but I'm also here to express my anger right and so giving Mm -hmm. myself a chance to feel anger on a visceral level and then seeing what's on the other side of it Mm -hmm. I'm curious how bitterness shows up for the two of you (laughs) for me it's just like like obviously like ruminating on something a lot so it'll be like the same stories going on and on and then part of my design is Mm -hmm. like um that my blame usually goes outwards as well so usually there's like there's some kind of blame going with that although i'll happily put that blame on myself if (laughs) there's no one (laughs) if if there's no one to uh (laughs) to put it on externally to me um but yeah, so so yeah, so that there does tend to be a lot of like in my mind, like blaming and and finger pointing that comes with like the bitterness of not getting the recognition that I that I felt like I deserved around this thing. Um, mm. So when I can notice that, which like meditating and things like that helps with that. Uh, and that, actually, the meditation thing I'm following at the moment is like doing a lot of like being curious about like when a story comes up, get, be curious about how it feels in your body and welcoming that. So that has been really difficult. <laughs> just like, difficult, it's like, challenging. like a muscle that I just haven't used difficult, like not like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is super triggering mm-hmm. to me, but more like, this is just so foreign to how I've been operating for so long. So yeah, that that's my, my, random tangent on on the bitterness but yeah it does tend to be i've got a very active mind so it does tend to be like really up in my head lots of like thoughts and stories yeah fascinating that that's coming up for you right now and thinking and of course it's a brand new baby muscle Mm. that has never been used before right and i love that analogy because you're all you're doing all you're doing is strengthening the muscle of feeling what is in your body Mm -hmm. right it's just like going to the gym or your your brain has obviously and very clearly had a lot of reps of teaching Mm -hmm. you how to do something and telling you what's happening as compared to building the building the muscle and building the capacity to say oh what do I feel in my body right now? Who like nobody asks you that when you're walking down the street. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so that's, and no. so what's so helpful and I'll tie this back to improv. And then I want to hear what Brandy has to say is when you're improvising, right. It's not like I was like, I'm going to take an improv class. And then I got on stage and made people laugh for an hour and a half. Mm. No, 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 no. Mm. I was playing games and practicing and making mistakes over and over and over again and building the muscle of failing quote unquote, and Mm -hmm. just observing what comes out of my mouth. And so through that repetition, I built the muscle and I built the skill set of improvising And so when I first started somatic experiencing work, the intentional side of intentional improv, I couldn't label my emotions. I remember the first time a coach told me to do that. And I was like, what do you mean? I have to look at (laughs) my body and like, what do you mean? What color is it? Like you just don't, we don't understand. But as you practice it over and over again, you start to become so much more familiar with the sensations in your body. Totally. It's so interesting. We had a guest on here, um, a reflector who is a feminine embodiment coach. And I did a session with her and it was very similar where she was like, you know, tell me what you're noticing in your body afterwards. Like she was like, you don't understand how most of the time when I work with clients, it's so challenging just to get past that first part of what are you feeling in your body? And it's like, at that point, I've been a yoga practitioner for like 20 years and like had been teaching for several years. So mm-hmm. again, it was a, 
skill that I had already built, but it was so fascinating to realize like most people don't walk around paying attention to what comes up in their physical body. Just like people, oh, some people don't pay attention what's happening in their emotional body either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it can be, they can certainly be blocks either way. And when I, you know, going back to your question around like bitterness, when I think about what does bitterness feel like in my physical body, a lot of the time it's like in my throat and it's like, and I have a defined throat and it's connected to my mind. So it's similar to Kyle. There's a lot of rumination that comes and it's either it cuts my voice off and I completely shut down Or it's like the opposite and it's like verbal diarrhea of like everyone around me is going to know like how pissed off and salty I am. Um, So it's like it's it's very it shows up very extreme where it's like I just let the discomfort like solidify and get really heavy or it's just like has to like come out yeah and it's just like really messy yeah fascinating and it's so interesting for you to notice that and get curious about it and I'm curious if that bitterness comes up when you are not speaking your mind or when you feel that people don't understand you I think it's more so when I don't feel like the there's an implicit invitation for me to be able to share Mm. what it is that I see And so a lot of the work that I've had to do, I think that this is like where I can look to like manifestor strategy and find a lot of learning in terms of like that repellent energy, you know, so to speak of like looking at an invitation as like that is a protective mechanism. So instead of being pissed off that it's not there, like looking at that as a like, whew, I can save my insights and keep them to myself and not waste them in a space that it's not going to be received. Mm. I love that. It's a, it's such a protective mechanism and waiting for the invitation is not passive either. No, no. And I think that that's, you know, that's certainly something that is like a learning of like in order for people to invite you in, they have to understand how you can, you know, serve them with your perspective. And I think going back to Kyle's point, it's like, it's definitely a muscle because it's like, I, you know, I'm not operating from that place all the time. Like I'm still like yelling at people that I, you know, I'm the one that does the most in this house, which is like a hundred percent not true. <laughs> but like, you know, certainly like in, in shadow moments, like that can come up, but it's like the like, oh shit, like reminder to myself of like, you know, are you actually paying attention to like who wants to hear what you have to say or are you just like throwing it out there just expecting everybody's ready for it just like as a manifester are you just expecting people are ready to be initiated yep yep it's a lot of discernment it's important to have around who we interact with (laughs) Kyle, I'm curious if there's anything there for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually went, I was waiting because I wanted to ask you about, uh, wanted you to use your skills on me because uh, I've got yeah. to share. And, and Excellent. So I was hoping for that. <laughs> yeah, so w- this came up when um, before we started the call. And so... Like, I can get on this call, chat, you know, it's fine. Everything's fine. Well, even in my body now, I'm noticing I'm getting nervous bringing this up. So this will be, you can unpack me. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Take a deep breath. If, yeah, I think that's that can be sometimes part of it. Um, so on, yeah, this call, fine. You know, if I run workshops, calls for my business, never an issue like that sort of public speaking I've run like live workshops not really an issue you know like there'll be like nerves and excitement beforehand but get into the groove and it's fine but man when like forever at my 
the fire brigade where I volunteer, if I have to speak, say like last time we had our meeting and I and there was something I wanted to bring up at the meeting uh, during general business. So bring that up. It's like as soon as I start speaking, my voice starts like shaking, starts going wobbly. All this emotion comes up, like like I want to start crying. And just like, mm. and it's like, I'm just, it's frustrating because I'm like, I just want to convey what I'm want to like get across, and instead I'm like mm-hmm. battling with myself to like hold it together over something that rationally doesn't feel terribly emotional, um, but there's this emotion, yeah. and, and I've noticed, it, and it's happened for years. I remember like another time, like I received an award and uh, to get up and say something, and normally that would not be an issue, but in front of that group of people, I think it's the group of people. Um, voice started shaking, started getting all emotional. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Totally. So thank you, first of all, for sharing so vulnerably. This is so common. And, you know, we don't often see men sharing that piece mm-hmm. where those emotions come up. And so thank you, one, for speaking into that. Well, you two and are so- very safe place for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. And so, and it's still a big deal, right? Mm. And so what I would say, or my question is, if you can take a deep breath and just (sighs) put your palms open. And when you think about sharing in front of people at the firehouse, and I imagine that they're typically men, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, men, mostly mostly older than me. Yeah, mostly older than you. So potentially people that you imagine are in authority positions Mm -hmm. that you may want to impress. Mm -hmm. And so really checking in of does this energy feel familiar to childhood Mm -hmm. to when you were sharing? What was it like for the younger version of you? Little Kyle, that's seven or eight years old. Was he afraid to talk in front of people? What was that like? What was his interactions with men? Mm. This is going to sound like I'm um, deflecting the question, but it's like I feel like I need to spend... No, 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 please. I don't know. Nothing's coming up like in the moment. Uh, and I'm yeah. like, but it's definitely something I could reflect on. Like I'm not thinking yeah. of a specific thing but in general speaking because i'm like was there like a you know i think you have male figures like teachers father grandparent like grandfather. i'm like altar boy altar boy kyle i was very comfortable in that environment and that's great talking there yeah yeah, like maybe there's something there around like a teacher or or like parental sort of figure Yeah, totally. And I didn't expect you to have an answer, right? It's so starting to get curious Mm. around where you learned that it wasn't safe to speak up in front of men that are authority figures Mm. or men that are big, that have, that you want to impress. Yeah. You know, and so, and it's, right. And so it's not necessarily, oh, I have this one memory of when I was seven where dad didn't do blah, blah, blah. No, no, yeah. no. It's more so this this feeling over time that you start to acquire or thinking about, okay, in, in high school, what was that like? Like, where was the, the gap in learning or what happened where now I don't feel safe to talk in front of this group of individuals? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because there's definitely a, a thing around pressing and there's a lot of mm-hmm. experience amongst some of those members. Um, and yeah, there is a, a worry like, <clears throat> I mean, when I'm accepting an award, I'm not really worrying about what I'm saying, but still had the same feeling. But then last night it was yeah. like a safety mm-hmm. thing. So it's like, you know, what if <laughs> other people disagree with me is a little bit of that. But yeah, usually mm-hmm. I feel like in myself, I have enough confidence. And whenever I fill out one of those tests of like, what's your fear you know five greatest fears public speaking usually isn't on there because i'm like if i can get it together it's fine but yeah but there's definitely something in this situation i think that's why it catches me off guard so much because i go to just speak 
and then all of a sudden it's just like <laughs> but yeah like oh what's coming up yeah, what yeah. is and so of course and so it's noticing oh I there's a piece of me that is afraid that someone's going to question my decision mm. or there's a piece of me that's afraid that they're going to think I'm fill in the blank dumb or stupid dismissed. or not yeah, whatever dismissed. it is yeah. dismissed that's a big fear, right yeah. like uh, what are you talking right about? what do you know yeah and I can feel right. that yeah I can feel that coming from like my childhood I think that's a normal thing probably lots of men sure. can can associate with sure yeah yeah and that's another big piece of it that so many of us i i operate from the belief that our parents really did the best they could with the tools that they had yeah right yeah. and so 100%. through the work that we do our parents aren't on trial though some of them clients really want them to be and that's great yeah. but that's their <laughs> right. experience you know and it's like great like let's dig into that because ultimately mm -hmm. if you notice that it's something that's holding you back or getting in the way of you confidently speaking in those areas, it's a moment for you to check into yourself and say, oh, where did I learn this that I wasn't mm. the expert or that I'm, I'm not, that I'm going to be dismissed if I say what I'm going to say? Yeah. 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 And then the last thing that I'll share about that, because I could talk about it forever, yeah. <laughs> is really checking in with how your body feels in those moments, right? And how granular can you get about your experience, even if it's for 10 seconds before you speak, right? Okay. So if it's your turn to say something, just taking a deep breath and noticing and practicing what you're learning in this meditation of, wow, my heart's beating really fast or... I'm my my palms are sweaty or my arms are sweaty or my chest feels hot and yeah. just breathing into that yeah. over trying to pretend that it's not there yeah yeah mm. yeah and I want to say like yeah. that the idea of doing that feels scary because there is yeah a lot of emotion there and yeah like acknowledging that and feeling into that feels scary in the moment because it's like what if it what if I can't control this emotion uh, for sure yeah yeah um, do you feel yeah, it in your I body right practice. now yeah yeah a little bit yeah yeah okay so, so let's so take just a couple minutes outside okay yeah 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 so take a breath close your eyes that feels good just notice what's happening in your body can you describe where the sensation is uh, my chest, like my solar plexus. Yeah. So just bringing all of your attention to that solar plexus and just trusting whatever comes up, comes up. So it's in your solar plexus and your chest. Is it tight or open? Uh, there's like uh, pressure and then kind of you know like a ner nervousness so like a like almost like a feeling of instability yeah totally so it's tight and in instability is it is it kind of moving around yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so just breathing into that does it have a temperature uh Cold, I would say. Cool. So just noticing that there's a tightness, an instability in your chest that's cool. Remember, there's nothing to change or fix about this sensation. It's just being with it and getting curious about it. Would you describe it in any other way? Like its texture? Or its color? It's hard for me to... It's like you said about the color stuff. It's hard to yeah. think of that way when I have them. Great. The color, the only awesome. color that popped in was green and spiky. Cool. That's just what popped into my head. So Amazing. So let's just go with green and spiky. Right? So this is very new. You're doing great. So just breathing into this space. 
we're not doing anything with it. We're not trying to fix it or change it. All you're doing is just acknowledging that it's there. So what we'll do now is take three deep breaths into it. Just sending all of your attention there. Again. Noticing that this comes up sometimes in your body when it's time to speak in front of other people. And checking in and just trusting whatever comes up. Does this part have anything to tell you or anything that it wants to say? And if not, that's okay. Uh, it just feels like there's some unprocessed emotions here. Like I need to watch a sad movie or something. <laughs> you know, yeah. I need, I need an emotional release. Yeah. Which definitely doesn't feel safe to do in in the middle of a fire brigade meeting. But <laughs> podcast, yeah, right? <laughs> or, or on a, on right, podcast. but like. And then that, but but that makes see... it worse. Yeah, so because I'm not accepting I am then really rejecting it. Yeah. So that was um... So you did beautifully. Yeah. yeah I'm beautiful. curious how you feel now. Good. Like karma. Like it's still there. Yeah. But um feels less overwhelming. Probably the the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Does I it feel, feel like, like less well. threatening? Yeah, maybe that's the thing, less threatening, yeah. 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 And I love that note. Thank you so much for your vulnerability with that. <laughs> but giving yourself that permission outside of the firehouse to really sit with that part of you. Mm. Right. And just get to know it and get curious about it and start to communicate with it. Yeah. Of Okay. This shows up and it's neither good nor bad. If I like it's, I mean, and I feel these emotions every time I used to get on stage, but I, it was holding me back. And so when I showed up, I wasn't calm or present or grounded or people weren't listening to me, but it's just mm. letting your body know that it's safe to do the things that you want to do. Hmm. So it's a weird defense mechanism that's going on another, like. I get you actually said it limitations. So it's a, like, I think it makes me think of that, you know, the big leap, how they talk, like the upper limiting beliefs. Um, ul, ulping, yeah. U L P I N G. Ulping. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it's a, yeah, it's a great book. Um, the big leap. Uh, it's, yeah, it's all about like how we will tend to sabotage in certain areas of our lives when other areas going well because we've got these we're hitting we're, we're hitting up against these limitations of what we think that area of our life um looks like yeah yeah and that's all limitations are yeah and it's, even just it's just an it's noticing the limitation not doing anything about it i remember after reading the book was like really helpful just be like oh that's an area where i might be doing that and not trying to fix anything or change mm -hmm. anything but just yeah. Who knew the power of noticing would be so powerful? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, truly. Just acknowledging it and noticing it, letting it be there. And that and when we think about public speaking or using your voice, that's mm. often, you know, where we want to go. Often it starts with sharing your authentic truth mm. and sharing how you feel about something or what you want to do and if it's just noticing how unsafe people feel to do that. Yeah. Or how scared people are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could see how that played into it too because, you know, accepting an award and expressing to the brigade what it meant to me was it felt very vulnerable. And then, again, yeah, mm -hmm. like last night, speaking up about something that <clears throat> I think safety-wise we could be doing better. And, again there was that like element of this is something that I think is important and yeah. worrying that other people, yeah, 
That was really helpful. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, Thank you. Helpful to watch. So now I want to know, now you've given everyone a, a, a demo without meaning to. <laughs> so what? Yeah, tell us, a little, tell us a a little bit snippet. About how, you're, how you're helping people with this at the moment. Like what, do you work with people one-on-one -on -one or in a group or do you have, do you have a blog? Or, I know you use TikTok a bit, like tell us a bit. <clears throat> so I run a group program Mm -hmm. uh, where we really dig into this stuff. We really feel into our experience of what it's like to share ourselves with the world, whether that be on stages, literal public speaking, or on social media, or in office buildings and, you know, in, in our careers. And so I run a program around that that's a group program. We're wrapping up our first cohort right now. It's been absolutely incredible. Uh, I also run retreats. I'm headed down to California in just a little bit to run a transformational retreat. Uh, the best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn, oh. which most people say, wow, that is boring. <laughs> it's not. It is no. not. I promise it's not boring. Our reflector I, it's not it was the same. Our reflector was on LinkedIn too. Yeah, it's gotten it's gotten pretty spicy in like, especially yeah. post pandemic. It's so, yeah. you know, you're not the yeah. first, you're not the first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, th that's where my people are. I was in corporate for such a mm -hmm. long time and I really witnessed so many women, especially not use their voice in their corporate roles or in their corporate mm -hmm. settings or in their businesses. And so and I work with creatives and artists and people that are really looking to spread their message in a bigger way. And what's holding them back is the fear. They're like, oh, I don't want to show my emotion. Mm -hmm. So that's the best place to find me. Okay. I take on um, very, very small number of one-on-one -on -one clients. Um, it has to really be the right fit. I yeah. truly believe that we heal and we transform best in a group yeah. setting. Yeah. Right. So think about how vulnerable you were on here and how much that opens the space for other people. Mm -hmm. What I've noticed in my group programs is, and I've been coaching for years uh, with another organization, is the more vulnerable one person is, the more vulnerable everybody else is. And so it opens the space mm -hmm. and it opens the container to really express what it is that you truly feel yeah. um, and be supported in it yeah. and move through it. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely prefer like group containers for that reason yeah. because it's yeah. some days you're not feeling it, but then yeah, someone else will say something or open up, and then you know it cracks you open a bit. So um, yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right. So... And then the other half of what I do too. Oh, oh, real quick is that's okay. Is the improv side of it. Right. And yeah, so yeah. that's, we, we do a lot of improv in my group containers. Yeah. So really, and people are scared, but it's so much fun. And every time I do improv at a retreat, uh, I, I host and co-lead transformational healing retreats. And, you know, you have 30 people in the room and 28 of them are terrified to improvise, but then you come out of the experience laughing and loving it and just being open. And it's, it's a way for you to express too. So anyone that's listening, I would absolutely recommend taking an improv class in your area. If you're looking to expand uh, yourself and your communication. Awesome. I'll have to see if there's any down here. So good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll come to Australia. Yeah, you. Twenty twenty-five. We'll see. Yep. Ship yeah. your ship your van over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your road trip. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Jamie. Really. So good, Jamie. Yeah, just awesome catching up with you and um, hearing what you're up to, and really excited for this work. And yeah, I know I always get a lot out of the conversations we have always really appreciate your insights uh so yeah thanks for i appreciate that doing a little mini session with me then as well yeah anytime okay. kyle brandy this is so fun thank okay. you our pleasure thank you all right farewell everyone hi it's kyle again 
I just wanted to take a moment at the end of this episode to thank you for listening. If you'd like to show us some love or uh, keep in touch with new episodes that we bring out, make sure you hit subscribe in your podcast player and also give us a heart or a like or a thumbs up or whatever they've got there as that helps us with the algorithm gods. If you could leave us a review, if you've got a message for us, please leave us a review if your app lets you, because we also really appreciate that and really appreciate reading those. And if you'd like to get in touch or send us a message, the easiest way to do that is to hop on the Instagram, find us at at welldesignedhd and just send us a message through there and that'll uh, go to both of us. Thanks again for listening and we'll be back again soon.